Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. G'day everyone and welcome to the Spirit of Sport on Sydney's newest home of sport, 1170 SEN. I'm your host Jason Stevens. I'm so glad you've joined us for my special guest tonight. He played over 250 games in the NRL and represented both the Blues and Australia. He also played for Parramatta, the West Tigers, North Sydney and the Northern Eagles. Quite the journeyman. Everywhere he went, he left an impact. There's no doubt about that. Post footy. He pioneered the introduction of the under-20s competition in 2008. And more recently, he's done some amazing work in charity with Pass It On Clothing. Mickey Butner, welcome to the Spirit of Sport. What a great introduction. Thank you very much, mate. It's an absolute pleasure to be on the show. Oh, mate, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, um, an honest introduction because not many players get over that 250, I tell you. And uh, it's, an, it's an amazing, amazing achievement. Not only... Uh, you know, showing your skill and your dedication, but your character to, to to be able to sustain that elite level that's for so long. You know, that's why that's why there's a club with the two fifty. And uh, yeah, mate, you're right. It, it was an amazing accomplishment considering how poor I was and how very limited skill I had. <laughs> that's what made it even more amazing. I got to say, you, you played you played well above your weight, and uh, that, that to me just inspires people who who you know they're there they're at home maybe thinking. You know, there's bigger guys. There's there's maybe there's faster guys, but then a guy like yourself comes along who just you know every ounce of of skill and physical you know you, to the extreme you used it and you made it and succeeded at a high level. And I'd, I'd rather those stories than than those who maybe it, it may have came a little easier to and um, maybe took it for granted. So no, no, that's and that's what I love to talk to you a bit about. But before we get into it, uh, we've got some getting to know you type questions. Are you cool to go with them? By all means, mate, far away. What was your first concert? My first concert was Noise Work. It was at Fairfield RSL way back in the day, mate. I was probably 18 or 19 at the time uh, and went and watched Noise Works, and they were bloody awesome. They so good, Noise Works. So John good. Stevens, what a singer. Well, well, can I just say, in the 93 grand final, and I know this is going to be about you, this interview, but I've got to mention this. Yeah. I've got to mention this because uh, at the 93 grand final, the breakfast um, – John Stevens was at the hotel, and they gave me his luggage and mine his. And, oh. and I still remember the biggest compliment I've ever had to this day was the, the concierge. He goes, you're not John Stevens? And I was just like, if anybody remotely thinks I'm as good-looking as John Stevens, I yeah. it's, it's my <laughs> it, You know, the concern for John... The concern for John Stevens when he uh, looked through your bag and grabbed the, the underwear was how big they were. Well, the concern, he didn't know what to do with them. The concern for him was I, I rated his bag to see if there was any free CDs. Because <laughs> <laughs> I love Noise oh, Works. I loved them. Of course, of uh, course. Uh, first job. First job, mate. I actually worked on uh, the back of a truck delivering milk. So I was the old Milko, Milk Run. 
Is that, so is that when they dropped it at the front of the house? Yeah, we dropped it at the house. We picked up the bottles of milk and delivered it to the houses. Yeah, it was three or four hours every afternoon. And, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it, actually. How did it stay How did it stay cool? Well, it was cold enough that it got through. And, like, there was a refrigerated-type truck area, right. uh, which was open on the back. And, yeah, it was. Yeah, we had the ability to deliver the milk. Like, the... Yeah, back in the good old days, mate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They had a bit of cream on the top of the milk and yes, very and, different. You know, you, and people were able to leave their money, uh, buy the milk bottles, and you'd pick that up and take it to the boss. And, yeah, those were the days where I guess there was a little bit more trust and faith in the world. We're sounding very old, so I've got to move on to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> most embarrassing moment. Mate, I, I actually don't have an embarrassing moment. I guess just I've been pretty fortunate where I, – I, I'm one of those people, Jace, who think about consequences, and I'm constantly putting myself in situations where I think, okay, well, if I do this, then the consequence could be that. Therefore, I just try and steer away from it. Uh, probably the closest I've ever got is I jumped on a jet ski, and first time I'd ever done it, and I'm coming around with my son on the back, and there was a big group of people around a ferry down there along there, and um, first time I've ever ridden a jet ski, and they're a little bit tippy, as you can imagine. And uh, we're just prodding along, coming in slowly, and off we tip over. No reason, no waves, no anything, just prodding in slowly. And uh, you could hear the, the chuckles coming in. Um, I didn't, uh, I didn't um, uh, think about the consequences of riding into the uh, where the ferry was coming in. Wow, well, um, yeah, that was pretty <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I blame the rough. It was very flat at the time. What's your favourite movie? Favourite movie is uh, Shawshank Redemption. Love oh. that movie. Just think the uh, the idea and the concept behind it all uh, is absolutely brilliant. So, so so many people actually have said that, and and probably one thing you may or may not know is that movie was a box office flop. Is that right? Yes, I did not right. know that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. right. And then when it came out on. Um, on uh, tape, not DVD, tape, back in the day. Yeah. It, it spread like wildflower fire, fire. And it was just like, yeah, fire. I mean, unbelievable how how a movie that good cannot resonate at the box office yet. You know, it's one of the, the best of all time now. Yeah, amazing, amazing film. Is there a favourite song that you'll dance to, Mick? Of course there is, mate. I love my dancing. And it's <laughs> play that funky music, white boy. <laughs> You, you will get you, me up every time. Would you rate yourself as time. a dancer? Would you rate yourself uh, as a yeah, yeah, I would, actually. I, okay. You know what? I can move right for Okay. A, okay. Um, you know, I've got a little bit of rhythm, and I'm not here to suggest that I'm anything <laughs> like Michael Jackson or anything like that, but I've got some rhythm, mate, and I can move okay. And, like, you know what? You pump out that, play that funky music, white boy. We'll see the best so of play you. Play my tunes, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I will cut a rug, so to speak. What's your pet hate? Um, people that are disrespectful. It just yep. does my head in. doesn't matter what it is. They just show the lack of respect that people deserve, whatever it may be. And it doesn't matter what the circumstance or situation is, but definitely lack of respect for people who, especially those that have earned the respect, I just find it really hard to fathom. A person from history you'd like to have met? Um, I would probably suggest... Uh, oh, that's a good question, mate. Person from, Maybe Albert Einstein. Yeah, well, you know, one of those... Geniuses back in the day who just were ahead of their time and, you know, could come up with all these concepts and theories and, um, you know, it's just phenomenal to think 
you know, we used to think that the world was flat and, you know, it's clearly round and yeah. all those things and, you know, relatively how things go up must come down and all those things. I just think, you know, someone like that would just be absolutely phenomenal. Someone like him, uh, you know, he, he was a history maker, but, you know, from what I've read, like he, you know, he, he walked a lonely path for a lot of it because when you are, well, when you're you know, a genius and you're, and you're, yeah. you're, you know, you're, you're pioneering something, um, you, you're not always accepted and obviously you, a lot of the times you're rejected actually by, oh, even by your peers, which, which can hurt, I guess. Hundred percent. He was definitely left of centre, and uh, you know, I guess time has now proven that he was a genius, and, and what he came up came up with was uh, phenomenal. But um, yeah, you're right, mate. There's always those eccentrics that are um, on the outside looking in, but you know, time proves that they're actually uh, geniuses in their own right. Something you wish you were better at, and obviously that's not dancing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, clearly. Uh, what would I like to be better at, uh, mate? I guess. Just being a better person. Um, you know, I try my best to do, you know, to be a nice person, but I'm always, I, you know what, it's, it's funny, the lessons you learn as a footballer uh, and the constant feedback you get as a footballer, and that is always to, to try and be your best. Nothing's changed in my world since I stopped playing, but it no longer applies to rugby league. It just applies to myself now, where I just want to be that better person. Uh, and, you know, you're constantly evolving and learning new things, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, mate, it's just uh, I want to be better at being me. Uh, and if I can take small steps each and every day, uh, then I'm heading in that right direction. You know, a lot of the times, Mick, um, that, that, that involves, I know, my own personal journey, me, because it's, a, it's an admirable uh, aspiration and, and, you know, it's – it's something I too aspire to, but I think what I've learned about myself is a lot of the times in that that when you flesh that out, that means confrontation and being challenged by certain aspects of your character, and yes. and then to humble yourself and re- actually go, okay, well, is this is what that person's saying right? And then you know, go away, and that's not an easy that's not an easy thing because growth, I think, always comes at a price, and and often it starts with you know humility to say, you know what, I'd actually. I got this wrong, and uh, yeah, you're right, mate. And where there's, you know, where there's growth, there's always pain, and I, you know, I, I know that. You know, it's about you know stepping outside of the situation and looking at it from an outsider um, and going, okay, well, this is what I need to change about myself. Or these are what the adjustments. And I, mate, I'm not talking massive changes. I'm talking yeah. slight adjustments. Uh, you know, just shaping and moulding. And I, I guess it probably also comes down to that. Maybe it's also about putting a lot of pressure on myself. Uh, at times in terms of trying to be that better person because, you know, there's nobody that's perfect. And I certainly don't lay claim to that. But, um, you know, as long as we keep striving for excellence, I think, you know, the world's going to be a better place. The biggest thing you've been nervous about? Uh, Mate, probably becoming a dad. I was very nervous about that. Uh, Playing in a grand final, certainly nervous about that. And now moving forward in life, um, I guess, I guess I'm you know more experienced, more uh, understanding of the expectations or uh, what is coming up. So uh, I don't get anywhere near as nervous as what I used to in the past. So, uh, and I guess that just comes down to experience and knowing where you're at uh, in your life, and uh, you know, yeah, just taking all those little pieces that have 
you know, built that foundation of mm. uh, that, those core values of what you believe is uh, important to you. So, yeah, I'm actually pretty controlled and, and um, at ease with where I'm at in the situations that I'm in at the moment. What's the thing you did growing up that made your parents the most upset? Um, you know what, mate? I was actually a really good kid. I've got to say, I, I, I didn't get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I didn't get in a lot of trouble. You know what, it's funny, you know, people say, oh, you know, I remember getting belted by their parents or whatever it was. And that's how it was back in those days. And, you know, I don't remember ever being hit by my parents. That's not a memory that I have. Um, so one of those things for me is that, yeah, I just try to do good by them and, you know, make them proud, obviously. But uh, never cause them a great deal of grief. And so from that in, mate, uh, and again, I'm not, I'm not here to suggest I'm an angel or anything like that. No, but, no, mate, no, I, but, no, it's I just good, it's been, honest. Yeah. I was just being um, respectful, I guess, to my parents and my teachers and all those things and um, never really wanted to disappoint them, I guess. You know what surprised me was uh, when I interviewed Nick Farr-Jones, and uh, this is back in the late, I think it was the late 70s, early, early 80s, he... He said he lost eight grand at a um, gambling. He lost eight grand. Yep. <laughs> back in the eighties. Wow. So this is like I don't know what that would be the equivalent now. Sure. But he had to go and ask his mum. He didn't have the guts oh. to tell his dad, and the mum went bailed him out. And <laughs> Thanks, mum. How are you? Eight G's. I'm like, oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, what's the lesson that's taken you the longest to learn? Uh, probably about patience. Just to be patient with things. But yeah, time, time, time will always heal. Um, and it doesn't matter, you know, whatever situation or circumstance you're in, that time will heal. And, uh, you know, to allow yourself that time to either, you know, feel good about yourself, either recover from something that's been hurtful. Mm. But, Time is a great healer and, and to be patient with it all. That you, you know, you're going to get yourself out of whatever situation you may consider to be overwhelming uh, and feeling this you know, weight of the world on your shoulders, that so you can actually get away from that and um, time will allow that to, to happen. I definitely think um, in time things can heal. I, think, I do think as well, though, Mick, but sometimes, you know, life can be like, if we're going to use the analogy of, you know, sweeping stuff out under the carpet. And so sometimes, even in time, you can get, be 10 years down the track and you're looking at the rug and you go, oh, it's clean, it's clean. But when you look underneath, it's actually, yep. it's you haven't you haven't dealt with stuff and you haven't. And um, so I, I definitely think in time is a great, for 100% that, that things can, can change and they need time. But sometimes time itself, is, you know, without actually processing and reevaluating, things can just leap be left manifested even though they're 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 beneath the surface they're still there do you know what i mean they're still yes. they, they, they can still because i even recently someone brought up something hurtful that happened to me not long ago and well it was long ago it was probably about 10 years ago and it, it like it came up and it like it really rose up hard within me and i remember going to speak to a, a trusted friend about it and and I really had actually hadn't dealt with the rejection of that sort of situation and how it really yes. quite 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 hurt me and a couple of friends I've felt you know did the wrong thing and betrayed sort of um, my goodwill towards them and and when this person's name came up like this I got to say it was anger came up actually it was like this, yeah, yeah, this yeah. anger came up and I was like wow where'd that come from 
You think you think you know what I mean? Because I didn't really process it and deal with it and then forgive, which is it kind of puts the fire out. Do you know what I mean? Yes, most definitely. No, I, I hear you loud and clear. So time will heal if you've oh. actually addressed the issue. If yeah, you I, don't address the issue, then it, it'll just subside there, and at some stage it'll rear its head. At some stage, no doubt you, about that. Do you have good friends that you can that you talk to about stuff? And do you, have you have you built a nice little? In a mate, oh, type thing, or how do, how do you work through stuff like that? You know what, mate, I'm very fortunate, uh, and in the sense that I've got a group of guys, you know, I live on the Central Coast now, we call it our happy hour group, mate, and it's the happy hour meaning that we used to, or we still do go down to the Terrigal Beer Garden, down at the Crown Plaza there, and we'll meet at four, you know, four o'clock on a Friday afternoon, which was happy hour. And we would just have a couple of beers and just talk about life. Isn't that good? Uh, and it was, mate, it was, you know, we do it every week. And, you know, it could turn into a big night. It could turn into just a couple of beers and then we could head home. But you just know that if you're looking for someone to talk to, that there's going to be five or six blokes there. There's five or six blokes there that are there and have got your back. And if you need to call someone at any stage, then... That's doable as well. So, mate, I'm very fortunate in that sense. And it's funny, I, I never realised how important that was. And we got to remember, Jace, back, and again, referring back to the old days, that's what guys used to do after work every day. Right? It was one of those regular things they would, you know, uh, my dad did it. It was in the 70s and 80s where they would go and go to the pub after work and they'd have their man time, so to speak. Then they'd come home to the family and, and do the thing. So, you know, for me, it's just got that ability to have mates around me that, um, you know, we've got each other's back. You know, some are married, some are single. We've all got our own highs and lows and situations and circumstances that we're all dealing with. Uh, and it's just nice to know that you've got someone there to, yep. to be supportive, to, you know, just lend an ear when you need it. And, you know, it's not only about uh, lending an ear, but it's also just having a joke with and laughing and, um, you know, all those things that just, you know, mates, mateship and camaraderie, camaraderie what it is. So, uh, yeah, I'm very fortunate from that sense. You know, Mick, that, I mean, that's it's, it's great points that you raised and I, no, I appreciate your, your, your um, honesty because I, the, the more that I, you know, as I get a bit older and that, I think the, the, the mate, one of the biggest things I look, I appreciate, I've got to say, in friendships is not uh, mates who have got it all together or... Um, because probably none of us have, but but those that are honest and can share their weaknesses. When I find when someone shares their weakness with me, like I, I don't know why, I just really connect to that, yep. and I it allows me to actually be a bit more real and and share and share and share things that I wish I would have done differently. Yep. But you know, there are because there are certain friends as well that you never get there with them. They never they'll never really. Go to that place. Open up. Yeah, they won't open yep. up. No, they weren't. And we probably grew up in a generation of, you know, you know, real men don't cry type type type. Yeah. You know, like that was kind of the atmosphere of of what man men manhood did. was all manhood about. Was all okay. about. Yeah. And, you know, and also it was also what we did on the field. Like it was, you don't show any weakness. You don't go off if you're injured. That's right. That's you right. You get up and you keep going and, and all those things, right? But you know, I guess times are changing, and you know, if you're comfortable with who you are, and I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, if you're comfortable with you are, and you know what, I'm not here to judge anybody, so, and, and you know, the group of friends that I've got, they're not there to judge me, they will give me an honest advice if I ask for it, 
And if, even if I don't ask for it, they'll give me honest advice. And, and likewise, I'll give them honest advice. But they know that it always comes from a good place. I think the key word that you said there was, you know what, it's got to be real. And, and if you've got those friends that are real, and that is, you know, being blatantly honest with you and, you know, doing it in the way that um, doesn't make you feel uncomfortable or uneasy, mm. then, you know what, you know you're in a safe place. Mm. You know, you've got that level of comfort around you where people are at ease and, and can enjoy each other's company because of, you know, the, the different situations and scenarios that everybody brings to that group. It's such an elected group that we just go, wow, well, you know what, we are, this is us. This is what we like. And if you want to mm. join us, by all means, welcome in. Mm. But we do refer to it as, you're going to come in here, it's the table of truth. So table prepare truth. yourself. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. It's the table of truth. You know, you, if someone asks you a question, you answer it truthfully. No bullshit, you just call it how it is. That's a... But we need that because, I mean, even yesterday, I've got to say, I, I was uh, quite confronted by a, a dear friend who, whose who's very close friend uh, committed suicide uh, mm-hmm. yesterday, a uh, young guy, um, and, you know, just she was completely broken and, you know, just obviously, uh, you know, known this kid since he was four years old and... And I just got kind of just couldn't help but think, oh, if, if there were friends around him that he could just, if he could just talk to, you know. And it's such a huge issue, Mick, uh, in our yeah. society, you know, amongst amongst uh, young, particularly I've got to say, men, but 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 women also as well because of the huge yep. um, expectations as well. And there's a whole hell heap of reasons too. But but yeah, I mean, you know, it's such a it's such a, 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 a we're not taught that. At, we're not really. Talk- we, do, we do all this stuff at school. It's one of yep. my, my. I know we've got a great education system. We've got a great country, but you know we're we're taught we're taught so much at school. But this this life stuff, you know, is 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 so important. This this you know to be vulnerable to actually learn that it's okay to to tell people you're struggling to you know yep. to cultivate that sort of environment. Sometimes I think it's 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 probably not prioritised as, as it should be. And I know a lot of the times it should be coming from home, but the reality is, you know, we're, we're living in a, in a world where, the, where, where it's not. Um, a lot, a Mate, lot of- home's, a di- home's a different place to what it was when we were growing up. And, um, and, and that's uh, neither here nor there, whether it's a better or worse thing. The fact of the matter is it's just different now. And, you know, it, it probably is harder for young kids because when I was growing up, my mum was a full-time mum because dad went out and worked. Yeah. And that's just that's just the way it was for the majority of us. Um, and now times have changed where both parents have to work. So you get a lot more kids that are at home, um, you know, from when they finish school to five or six o'clock. And, you know, they're becoming more independent. Therefore, they've got more free time and with access to social media and to, you know, the internet, you know, it's, it's far broader than what it was ever like for us. Like, you know, our, you know, if we were able to, well, we had encyclopedias, we had TV, and you know you went outside and played cricket or footy. Yeah, yeah. That, that was the extent of it, right? That's how you. Whereas now it's you know there's so much more exposure to these young kids and um, how they go about that and how that's managed. It's very hard for parents to to oversee that whole process. Mick, I, I do want to talk about your career, but I've got to say, just the way we're, we're leading, I'd I'd really like to to delve into the the charity side of, yep. of your work and. You know, I never saw that. I never saw that coming. I mean, we worked together at the NRL together, and um, uh, you know, 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We had a great relationship and, and, and love spending time with you. But, um, you know, this pass it on clothing, that, that was it something that, that existed or was it something that you put together? Or can you can you tell us a bit about it? Because you're very active on social media yeah. about it. Yeah, well, mate, the way it all started, a mate of mine, we went to teachers college together. He uh, he had some clothing in his, uh, in his wardrobes and he got a new partner and she moved in and she sort of, she was a... Um, a designer, as in clothing, you know, yep. she could tell you what to wear, what not to wear, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So she basically culled his whole wardrobe, and uh, he decided to put it up in the uh, the attic for a while, just in case the relationship didn't go so well. Uh, so he could bring those clothes back out if he needed them. Um, but after twelve months of them being together, he thought, okay, well, I'm going to pass these clothes on, but I wanted to go to someone that's going to benefit from them. And, you know, generally what happens, and, and I'm not being disrespectful here to any of those services, but, the, you know, the likes of the Salvos and, you yeah. know, those big bins that we have, yes. a lot of those end up being, you know, turning into rags and they end up making money from them, et cetera, et cetera. That, I think most people's intentions when they put clothing into those clothing bins is yeah. that they go to someone who, who needs them. Mm. And I guess that's what we do is that any clothing that we receive get passed on to people. And, and so we do outreach services, uh, out at Martin Place, Parramatta, and Gosford. They're weekly services that we do, uh, and we've passed on over 130,000 articles of clothing in the last four years, wow. which is quite significant. Now, you think about it, you know, when we reached 10,000 articles of clothing, we thought it was significant. Then we got to 50,000, then we got 100,000, now we're at 130,000. Uh, and it's just a, a thing that we've continued now, and I jumped on board to be honest with you, mate, the, the reason I jumped on board with my mate um, was because I, I just separated from my wife and I was, you know, feeling sorry for myself and a little bit lost as to, you know, what direction I was going in my life. And mm. um, it suddenly made me realise that by providing this service, that I really didn't have too many issues to worry about. You know what? I had a, a bed to go home to, I had a roof over my head, I had food in my fridge. Um, I had clean clothing. I had a shower to go. Um, I had a pillow to sleep on. Right, I had all those things in life, which you know we obviously take for granted. Mm. But when you get to see how some other people have to live their life, and you know, for for most, mate, it's not by choice, and it's you know unfortunate circumstances that lead to them, you know, going down that path and. Unless you've walked in their shoes, mm. uh, it's very hard to judge uh, or to be critical of them. And um, but people will do that, unfortunately, and, and that's okay. That's our society, and that's the way it is. But uh, what I do know is that it suddenly made me realise that um, you know what I can do to help and make. You know, suddenly the be- the clothes just become a vehicle to like, create relationships, conversations, and stuff. Yeah, I see, I see those them. pictures. They they're very moving. I've got to say, and they. Yeah. They're really. Look, I've often wondered what what are you talking about? What what are the conversations? What are, because every person is important, and and they have been in a, in many ways discarded and and 
they would probably yep. feel least important out of out of anyone. Yet when I see you there sitting with them, it's like it's it's just such a wonderful thing. Can you give us a guide as to the, the, the sort? Oh, mate, of- you know when someone when I first meet somebody, I find out a bit about them and what they're about and and, and how they got to their circumstance. Once I know that, I don't need to go over that again. Mm. Right? We don't need to go into their you know, their hard luck story every time because suddenly I've heard that and that makes them feel comfortable. The fact that they've been able to open up to me and be able to talk about that just puts them at ease and they know that I'm going to be there next week and I'm going to be there the week after and I'm going to be there the week after. So they've got this consistency about seeing somebody that brings a smile to their face, that brings them some new clothing, brings them something warm in winter, right? So there's that level of comfort there that I've already created and then suddenly it's just talking about their day or their week or what they've been up to or they want to know about what I've been doing and how my work's going or what I've been doing here, there and everywhere. So it just, mate, it's just, you know what it is? It's actually just two friends talking to each other, catching up on a weekly basis. Uh, and that's as simple as it is. And it, mm. mate, like I said, I rock up at the service. I open up my car. I've got my friends there that rock up who will help unpack my car. I put the clothing there on the rack. And away I go. That's it. I, I don't see my clothing rack for another half an hour, 45 minutes, because I'm just wandering around talking to them. And, and like I said, it's just become a vehicle to build relationships and to put these people at ease. Um, one thing I did do, you know, me and my mate, we had two nights out on the streets. We wanted to experience what it was going to be like mm. um, living rough. And so we did the, you know, the first night we did the train ride up to Newcastle, slept on the train slept all the way back, got off at Newcastle because that's where the train stopped and terminated, so we had to get off there for an hour and a half in the freezing cold. So it was a tough night. Second night, we decided to do the cardboard mattress and put the cardboard down in the city streets there and did our best. So, mate, what we discovered was, A, how hard it is for these people, how resilient they are. B, um, how boring it is for them because you've got nothing to do. All you're doing is waiting for the next service, right? As in the next food service, which could be breakfast, could be lunch, could be dinner, whatever it is. That's all you're doing. You're filling in your day. And that's why you'll see a lot of, of our homeless friends or disadvantaged friends sleeping during the day mm. because if they're sleeping rough on the streets, they're not getting quality sleep at the night time. Um, just because of the noise, the you know, the, the fear in terms of, you know, somebody coming to take them or do something to them or whatever it may be. So there's this constant noise going throughout the city all night. Um, so getting any sort of comfort um, is not really doable. Uh, and then, mate, uh, what we also found was we had a couple of our friends from our Sydney service who come and met up with us. And what it did do was it actually gave us an energy boost. It gave us something to look forward to. And it, when we reversed the situation, we suddenly realised, we went, you know what, we need to make this hour for them the best hour of their day or the best hour of their week. Mm. So we go about there with a positive attitude. We go about it with, you know, this feeling of just going, you know what, we are here to support you. We're here to, you know, we've got your back if you need it, whatever it may be. And, and I've got some other good providers that uh, support our service uh, up on the Central Coast who provide food. I've got uh, Orange Sky who are a mobile uh, laundry service. They come up. I've got a... a, a uh, an organisation called Shoebox Revolution. They, pro- they provide care packs. So we've got a whole lot of organisations that we've intertwined into our service, which suddenly means we've become almost like a one-stop shop um, where they, they know they're going to get a good feed. 
They know they're going to get some warm clothing. They know they can get their clothing washed if they need to. And they're also going to get some toiletries and some little goodies that they can use throughout the week. That will get them through to the following Wednesday when we do our next service. So from that end, mate, look, you know, whilst we pass the clothing, um, we've added a fair bit to what we do. Um, and that's just grown uh, organically. Uh, but ultimately, mate, it's just about, you know, making these people feel good. And when you do that, you know, when you do something good for somebody, you know the feeling you get and how important yeah. that is. So, 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 mate, yeah. Do you know homelessness, I know it's a complex issue and it's, it's, you know, I know there's probably no single sort of type of solution, but because you mentioned that, you know, that they didn't choose that, that sort of uh, to be homeless and so forth. Yeah. So for someone... You know, not not really. Uh, who doesn't understand the whole sort of issue and what's available from all the services? So, are you saying that that there are actually no no beds um, with, with that, or you know that? So they're basically going to be they're entrenched in homelessness because there's no other options. Or, mate, the thing about it is, mate, with the, with the homeless and disadvantaged, they uh, and I've seen a whole range of different scenarios. I had a guy who chose to stay homeless. He had the opportunity to get roofing over his head, right. but he chose to stay homeless because he felt comfortable. That's what suited him. He'd been doing it for six, seven years now, and he'd choose to be sleeping on the streets. That was his choice. Right. There was another guy who said that he was homeless. He'd found uh, accommodation, but unfortunately, the cost of living in that meant that he didn't have any, any other money or any spare money for any girls. So he had to come to the service to get clothing. He had to come to the services to eat because he didn't have any girls. So whilst he had a roof over his head, he was still limited in terms of what he could do and what he could provide for himself and was still needing to access those services. So there's a whole range. And there was a guy last Wednesday who had, him and his partner had accommodation. And for whatever reason, they had been asked to leave that accommodation so they were sleeping rough on the streets for the for the last two nights. Yeah. So, yeah, mate, oh, look, I've heard stories where a guy was um, he was at a party one night and he had a great job, was engaged, wife was good for him. He went to a party. His mum needed to lift home from that party. He'd had too many drinks. He decided to drive his mum home. Got done DUI, lost his license. Therefore, lost his job. Uh, a couple of months later, ended up losing his fiance. Um, and he was down to his last four dollars when he came to the service, and just needed a hand. Yeah. And that was just one of those things that can happen to anybody. Mm. And again, mate, it's just you know I guess we've got this thought in our head. Most people have this thought in their head that oh, these people are you know they deserve it or not deserve it, but you know what they bring it on themselves or whatever it may be. Yeah. But there's so many reasons why or circumstances, situations that lead people down this path. And, mate, I've got to tell you, once you get down that path, it's very hard to get out of because, you know, um, you've got a limited amount of resources. You've got a limited amount of self-confidence. Your self-esteem is down. You're looked down by people. And, mate, you, you can't think ahead. You can't think, if I save $100 a week for the next 12 weeks, I might be able to save enough for a bond at a property or something like that. Mm. Because... Mate, 12 weeks living on the streets. Can you imagine thinking I'm going to put $100 a, way, uh, $100 a week away for 12 weeks while you're living on the streets? Mm. 
mate, suddenly desperation comes in and that $100 becomes you'd start to do something else with it. Um, so you just get on this treadmill, which is so hard to get off. Mm. And um, that's why you know, I'm not there to judge them at all, just there to support them and, and you know, like I said, make it the best hour, hour and a half of their week, hopefully. Mate, thanks so much for filling us in and, and really helping us understand part of that issue. And I know if anyone wants to, to read a little more, I, I noticed um, on, on your Instagram um, there's a hashtag uh, pass it on clothing and co. Yes, they, as well. they can check out all the socials. You've got Facebook and Instagram for pass it on clothing. Yeah. Um, they're more than welcome. Chris is um, as well. Is there a GoFundMe? Yeah, Chris Vag is that Yeah, right? well, Chris Vag is my man. Yeah, he's the guy that's been uh, that set it up and we've been uh, mates for 20 odd, 30 years now. Oh, 30 years now, yeah. And uh, we're looking to fund a, um, a ute, a dual cab ute, so we can continue doing our service, especially in the Sydney region, um, which is really important. We've been very fortunate to have a couple of sponsors that have helped us out over the last uh, 12 months, but we're nearing that point where those sort of sponsorship deals are, are winding up and it's important that we have the ability to provide that service. So um, we've got a little GoFundMe page, but again, people can, can check out the socials and, and do what they need to do. But it, um, yeah, we're going to make weird... We describe ourselves as two red bags with a, with a social conscience, and that's as simple as it is. <laughs> no, I love it, mate. I love it. I wish there was, right. was more to it, and I really encourage people to check out that site. Look, mate, mate I, we don't have a whole heap of time left, but I do want to talk about your career because, as I said, it was, it was, it was a, a stellar career. You represented both New South Wales and Australia. We, you came close. You came close to a grand final Yeah. Win. Do you ever do you, can you run us through that? That was you were it was against Newcastle. You'd actually just Newcastle had beaten us the Sharks uh, that, yep. that year in a in a pretty close game and and uh, I've got to say going into it, I, I kind of thought Para were the were the favourites going into the, into that week. Um, of yep. course, when you got Andrew Johnson as as your opposition, and you know anything can happen. But what was that whole experience that week with you? Brian Smith was coach. Yeah, mate, look, I was very fortunate. I, I played, I'd already played nine games, uh, nine years of first grade, and I went to Parramatta under Brian Smith. And, mate, to be honest, I actually learned how to play football, um, which sounds crazy, but I learned the simple things like how to catch, how to pass, how to tackle, why you do these things. Um, I, I'm sure you're aware, Jason, uh, Brian Smith had a, a scoring system. And uh, he had a defensive scoring system. I got minus 76 uh, in my first trial match for the Eels, and I didn't miss a tackle. That's how how poor I was in terms of my understanding of what my role was in the defensive line and, um, you know, making a tackle and not getting up to marker and all those things that had never really been brought to my attention. And I just wish I had that opportunity to be under Brian Smith uh, as a younger player, mm. because I felt my game would have, you know, developed a lot more, and that's not being disrespectful to the coaches I had. No, no, it's no. just that it's just that I felt that my game went to a new level, and probably my understanding of the game went to a new level. Um, but back to that 2001 grand final, mate, we had a great year. Um, I was very fortunate to be a part of a side where uh, there was, you know, I was at the older end, uh, the back end of my career, along with Jason Taylor. So we had that mix of a good mix of experience. And the youth coming through, the likes of a Jamie Lyon, Nathan Highmarsh, Mick Vella, Nathan Kalis, um, just his, Luke Burt, just this group of young players who were dynamic um, at such a young age and just absolutely had no fear. But like they had all the skill in the world and could back it up uh, with their ability. And 
So we went through, and you know, to this day, we're still the uh, the highest point scoring side in the history of the NRL competition over 110 years of footy. We're the best attacking side to ever play the game. Wow. But you know, on the day, mate Andrew Johns came out, and they obviously had a set plan, and that was to you know target um, you know around that halves area in terms of defensively, you know, with the likes of Ben Kennedy and. Uh, big Steve Simpson, yep. um, and mate, they just blew us off the park in the first half, twenty-four nil. Um, I've got to say, there was still a, uh, some confidence coming out at halftime. We talked about the fact that you know we're still a chance of creating history here. There was no heads down. It was you know definitely, and we knew we had the ability in terms of uh, our football talent, and especially our attacking talent. Um, and we just went from there, and you know, as it turned out, it was thirty to twenty-four. The final score. We probably needed another. A couple five of minutes. minutes. We, yeah, yeah. You were five coming minutes. Back. We, oh, we were coming back. Yeah, yeah, we were certainly on a roll, and uh, that's just one of those things. I dare say, if we had to play the Knights another ten times, we would have beat them ten times. But um, grand finals are grand finals, and that's why they haven't. Uh, we just weren't up on, up to it on the day, and unfortunately, but made it still. You know, it still strikes a chord for me, you know, and it's you've been a part years. of it as well. It's 20 years yeah. later, because I know for me, every grand final oh, that I watch, mate, I still me. think back and I still, I, there's a pinch in me about it, I've got to say. <laughs> it kills me, mate, it kills me. You know what, it's just one of those things. It does, mate, seriously. No, I'm with you. Like I'm you with you. Believe because I just, you know what, you can have all the personal accolades, but, and you know, you hear players talk about it that are one premierships that, it's the greatest achievement that they've done in their career. And that's because you're with a bunch of blokes for 12 months. You train, you bust, you gut each and every day. And you're all striving for the same thing. And to actually achieve that, knowing how hard it is to do that, um, you know, the rewards are, are well and truly there. And I, I guess there's no greater feeling, uh, you know, from a sporting perspective, to have achieved something like that with a group of guys mm. that you've worked so hard together with. And, and, you know, it's not only the players on the field, it's what happens off the field, and it's those lifelong friendships that are created. Um, that and, and that's the beauty of rugby league, mate, I guess, and it's probably for any sport, but uh, the fact that you um, are so well-connected and you get to, you know, rock up each and every day. And mate, you train with your best friends. Like, it doesn't get any better, and you get paid to do that. Like, wow. It's, it's unbelievable. I, I, I get up early... Um and I, uh, before my son woke up and I went and did the Sandhills by myself yep. and I was just like, I enjoyed it, I really did, but I was just like, I had visions of all the boys heckling me yeah. and having, and just, you can't explain how much, it's the hardest thing you ever do, footy, but it's it's the, the most fun too, it's the most, yep. the, the, that change room, that, and, and you know, it's hard, it's hard when you when you retire to to get that back, I've never got that back, to be honest, nah, and mate, it's something that I, I miss. I think that's one of the beauties of my happy hour crew is that we've got that camaraderie and we have that, you know, banter and we have that fun. And whilst it's not every day, it is for that couple of hours on a Friday afternoon. And I know I'll never be able to duplicate what you have in a dressing room, but you know what? We do our best on a Friday afternoon down at the beer garden, uh, just to try and have a bit of fun and and whatever else. But you're right. You know, when people say, oh, do you miss playing? I don't miss playing at all. I actually miss the training. I miss the camaraderie. I yeah. miss seeing these boys each and every day yeah. uh, and rocking up and, you know, somebody laughing about something or the stories that they have in relation to going away or whatever it may be. There's always something going on. And, uh, or seeing somebody achieve something that they've never achieved before. Mate, Jason Taylor was, 
at the Eels. You know, that was his last season of first grade. I think he probably played 15 seasons. He bench-pressed 100 kilos for the first time in his whole life. Wow. He was he was 31 or 32 years of age. Right? So seeing something like that, a guy that trained so hard and whatever else, but could not, you know, he normally lifts cotton buds. And here we are pumping out 100 kilos. Like it was a big achievement for him. Well, I, well, I'll tell you what, I, I ran at Jason Taylor and uh, i got to say, he winded me. <laughs> he put a shot on me. He, he put a shot on me and he winded me. Now, I had a jelly belly. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> I, st- I still do and it's gone to another yeah. level. But, yeah, yeah. you know, he was tough, mate. He was tough. I'll tell you what. Like, he, he, he was he tough, threw mate. His body, whole body. I mean, there was nothing of him, honest, honest to goodness. <laughs> Um, and, and, and Mate, in a heavy wind, he'd get blown away. There was nothing of him at all. And, uh, but don't, you love, that, don't you love that? Because there's young people listening and there's, and there's you know, people who've got sons and they may not be the biggest or the, the fastest or, or whatever, but, they, you know, they found a way because they, they were just so passionate, like yourself, just so passionate about doing it. And, and you know, uh, I, I remember I – remember Talking to Brian Smith because he was my coach initially, and he 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 said any day of the week he would trade a player that had natural talent for one that just their work ethic, you know, yep. was, was was he could he could help them with the skills, he could help them with everything. But if they had that attitude where they were just going to suck it all out and just give everything, that's something that he could work with. And no, you can always coach skill; you can't coach attitude. No, that's right. That's, that's right. That's a Hey, Jace, I do want to touch on one other thing, mate. And, uh, I know this is a little bit crazy, a little bit crazy, but mate, I do. Um, you know, I, I still enjoy my training and, and keep myself fit. Um, and mate, I'm doing, and I'm fast approaching now. Um, I do a fair, hundred burpees a day. Are you still okay? doing that? I'm still doing it, mate. Yeah, I'm now ten days away. Today is the uh, what is it, ninth of February? So whenever this goes to air, I think the same of February. Will be three years exactly that I have done a hundred burpees a day, and on day one thousand I actually did one thousand burpees. Oh my so gosh! So it, it, it took me an hour and forty minutes. Like it was straight. I did it straight out. But yeah, it was one of those things that I did. That's, that's um, incredible. That is incredible. so. That, that again is a little bit about my mindset where I'm at. Um, I. That's call it OCD or whatever it is, or we'll call it mental. I don't know, one of the two, but either way, mate. Um, it's working, it's working. I actually tried to do that I because I, um, Eric Growth put me onto that. Yeah. And, um, and I, I was doing it, but the pinch on my neck, I've got to say, yeah. I, I, I was burning at night. I just, I couldn't, I just, but there's nothing like getting the heart rate up than like burpees, I've got to say. Uh, burpees can do it to you every time, mate. So that's my little <laughs> obsession at the moment. I don't know. Mate, it's a little story. And I started it three years ago and my dad passed away sort of three months into it and I did it every day wow. throughout that period. It's sort of like my little bit of respite. And, and so suddenly I just went, you know what, you need to give me a good excuse as to why I stopped. Because wow. if I can do it when my dad passes away, then, and I, mate, I haven't found a good reason to stop yet. So I'll just keep going until, um, and like I said, it's become a little bit obsessive at the moment, but uh, we're nearing three years, and uh, who knows, mate, my next interview with you might be in another three years' time, and hopefully I'm here to say that um, I'm still going. Mate, that's outstanding. That's that's inspired me to, to keep going. Uh, I've just got back on the wagon for training, and... Uh, you know, I, I, I that's it's, it's inspiring, mate. That's it's awesome stuff. And look, man, it's been so good to touch base with you again. And uh, I really appreciate you, Mick. Thank, I, I'm really thankful for someone like you being out there and the 
doing what you're doing with passing on clothing and you know thanks for your honesty as well because mate we've all we've all you know made mistakes and we're all looking to improve and and just appreciate your honesty and sincerity mate it's been so great to chat chatting with you no appreciate mate always an absolute pleasure mate you know that and thanks everyone else for listening in Uh, if you missed this week you can download the SEN app the 1170 app and you can go to catch up Go to the Spirit of Sport. You can listen to all our interviews or, of course, next Sunday morning at 5.30. If you're up that early, we repeat this interview as well. But that's it for me. I'm your host, Jason Stevens. You've been listening to the Spirit of Sport. Have a great week. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only. I'm out.